You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Welcome, one and all, to Monday Football Monday here on the SB Nation NFL Show. A reminder before we take any more steps forward that this show is brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. As noted, this is the SB Nation NFL Show, which you can listen to wherever you get your podcast. Search for us, subscribe. Leave a rating, ride, review. You can also watch us on the SB Nation NFL YouTube channel. And you're going to want to do those things because football season is officially here. The fantastic Rachelle Prevet is on the ones and twos. As always, my name is Arjo Ochoa. With me, as always, JP Acosta, uh, one of the premier uh, scribes at SB Nation. JP, um, I saw that you requested access to the almighty Google Doc this morning. Uh, you've been granted that access. So how are you feeling? I'm feeling good now that I have the access to the document. Now I can kind of see everything. I had I had a good feeling that I knew what we were going to talk about. So everything on there was just kind of like, oh, I had that idea in my head already. So we're we're rolling. We're doing good this morning. Well done. The podcast audience cannot see your Tiger Woods cap. You've told us the story behind that. Um, it is the coolest thing um, I've ever heard outside of the personal story of our special host today. Uh, it is Michael Peterson from Bolts from the Blue. Michael, you have lived a life very similar um, to uh, Carmi in the show Bear. Is that, is that correct? Uh, you're basically Carmi from the Bear. I mean, not exactly. Like I, I did my, you know, my trench years as a bartender, as a server and, and stuff before uh, writing, you know, kind of became the job and covering the Chargers. So uh, that show's phenomenal. I don't know if I'm sure you guys have both seen it. You're both men's of culture, right? That you've you've experienced those things. And then when you've been in those situations, watching that show is like, first off, it takes it to a whole nother level, but then there's like a lot of PTSD that also gets triggered as well, because you're like, oh, I've been through that. I've seen that happen. This, 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 I've been locked in the freezer before, like all that stuff. So it's a heck of a time, but I wouldn't say I'm like the phenomenal chef that Carmi is obviously in the bear. Mm, you're maybe you're Marcus, you know what I mean? You're the like pastry chef, you know what I mean? You have a special role, you're, you have a special kind of vital place in the overall restaurant hierarchy. Um, but um, it was a cool, I saw you had a tweet um, at, at the time of like the show was really coming out the second season that was like, this is giving me like some PTSD. So um, I, you you and the show are, are, are one and the same in my mind. Uh, Mark Schofield is not here. Uh, we don't have to dox him and say where he is, but um, I will just say, I think his, his toes are in the sand. That's, that's kind of how, um, you know, I, I choose to believe Mark Schofield is at all times in terms of a, a state of mind, but in a literal sense, I think he's there. Um, we have a lot to get to. Uh, there is one more game left in the second week of the preseason. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens going for what is it, number 25 in a row, uh, tonight? Um, 
and we'll see if the little brothers in the state of Maryland can knock them off, um, which is kind of crazy that uh, Washington would be a little brother to anyone, given that they're one of the most storied franchises in NFL history. But um, I guess that's the Dan Snyder effect. Uh, but we'll see. Rachel, best of luck to your Baltimore Ravens. For now, lots of week two action to get to. Um, JP, I guess we have to start. Uh, the biggest story uh, was the New England Patriots and Green Bay Packers game getting suspended. Uh, a scary situation with Patriots corner Isaiah Bolden. He was released from the hospital on Sunday morning, uh, reportedly had a concussion. Thankfully, all appears well there. Uh, but obviously, that is a very sensitive subject with football fans in the world, given the DeMar Hamlin situation from last year. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing that I took away from that entire situation was how quickly the turnaround was for Bill Belichick and for Matt LaFleur. I think as soon as that happened, Bill Belichick, Matt LaFleur, they got together like, hey, we can't keep play playing this game. We'll just suspend the game here. It is obviously – it's a lot easier to do that when it's a preseason game and none of these games actually matter in the long run. But it is a very – from a player perspective, it has to be – it has to mean a lot that a, that a coach would be like, yeah, we're not going to play anymore after we've seen one of our – teammates one of our brothers go down in a way that Isaiah Bolden did so it was really much props to Bill Belichick Matt LaFleur for how they handled that entire situation you know Michael it is um it was very stark to see DeMar Hamlin play in the preseason right like that in and of itself was kind of a, a shocking sort of I mean it's it had been one thing for him to be partaking in practices and then obviously contact practices and, and to see him in a preseason game was just the sort of Again, um, peeling the plastic off of your your phone type of sensation. Um, but but again, like I, I think, you know, that whole situation happened right before the playoffs last year. So I think we allowed ourselves to just kind of try to get back into the football of it all. But the truth remains, it, it is a very dangerous sport that all these men play. Yeah, exactly. I really do have to echo what JP said um, to see them come together so quickly and just kind of make a firm decision. I mean, I, I didn't watch the game personally. I don't know how long um, they really got together to talk about it, but just the fact that they even went through with the decision to suspend the game at all, I think is a huge step forward um, for them to acknowledge that this is the preseason. This stuff, it just doesn't mean anything right now. So for them to get together and just say like for the safety of the rest of the players on this field, their, their mental health as well. Um, Cause it wasn't just the, the bills and the, and the Bengals who went through everything with the Demar Hamlin situation last year. Right. It was the entire NFL landscape, the fan base. I mean, you didn't have to be a player to really feel a lot of the things that came from that situation. So for them to really make the right decision there, I thought was huge. And, and to be honest, that's probably going to be the precedent going forward is that in the preseason, if anything scary like this happens, I wouldn't be surprised if more and more games do get suspended in this manner hopefully they don't because it means that an injury didn't happen that was that bad you know what i'm saying but at the same time uh, i think this is a good thing going forward yeah i think the general perception of the average football person is get rid of the preseason just have you know have joint practices um obviously though the preseason is an opportunity for every nfl owner to either get one gates worth of cash or two gates worth um, so it's, it's difficult to imagine the financial implications of that being something that NFL owners would just waft away, even though to both of your point, I think we can all admit that preseason is kind of a, a pointless and meaningless thing. Um, I'm proud to say that I, I don't, I haven't seen anybody being like, oh, this team's undefeated in the preseason or this team hasn't won a game. Like it seems like we've graduated a bit in terms of the average intelligence base. Um, so it is what it is, but, uh, JP Mark's not here to really kind of bang the drum on this point, but before we leave this game, I guess. Um, there is some serious chatter growing about uh, New England Patriots quarterback Malik Cunningham. Um, Taysom Hill is the super obvious comp here. Um, and, and again, this game didn't finish, but, um, but Malik Cunningham is kind of a thing that won't go away now. Yeah, it's going to be very real. Like He is not just a gimmick 
Like he's not just going to be like some fun player in the preseason. I think they're actually going to legitimately use him in the offense. I think, of course, he's not going to be as good of a receiver as Julian Edelman, but you can definitely see the the trick play coming. Of course, when they play like the Bills or the Dolphins, and like the winner gets to uh, gets to win the division or gets a playoff spot, and Malik Cunningham throws a touchdown after li- lining up as a receiver or lining up in the slot and then throwing it back across the field, you can tell that they're already planning that. Bill Belichick has already started the Jedi mind tricks of saying like, oh, Malik Cunningham, he might be a receiver, he might be a quarterback, who knows? But what defenses, what opposing teams need to know that they're going to use Malik Cunningham in some aspect of the offense in the regular season. This is a very real thing, and it's going to be very fun. Michael, is this real, or is this... Because I feel like like the Patriots aren't a real team anymore. Like the Patriots have been relegated to like obscurity <laughs> and irrelevance. Um, like it's been a slow decline over the last few years now. Um, and I, I feel like this is like a desperate ploy to like garner our attention. Um, but unlike JP, I'm not falling for it. You know, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, either way. Like just last night, Chargers Saints game, Easton Stick led the whole game with 63 yards rushing, had a touchdown. Um, but to, like that's not something we go, oh, Kellen Moore, like, oh, he's tricky, man. He's gonna find a way to to get some usage out of out of stick, you know, in some package or another. But when it comes to Belichick, like there's just a certain level of of coaches in the NFL when you've been doing it long enough where you can kind of assume they see something like that and go. I think I can get something out of this because the best coaches find a way to to get those trick plays in and actually make them work. So kind of like what JP said, I, I feel like they're going to find a way to, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter, they need uh, a gimme down. They need points here. Um, they'll find a way to 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 trick the opposing defense and get Malik Cunningham, Cunningham excuse me, in the, in the right place at the right time. Um, and then we're all going to be singing the praises of Bill Belichick because he's just who he is. And, and it isn't surprising that he found a way to score a touchdown with this lowly drafted, undrafted player um, in Cunningham. It really does kind of feel like Bill Belichick has already completed the main quest of like NFL yes. coaching. Mm-hmm. Now he's just going back and doing the side missions where it's like, oh, I'm going to take this undrafted quarterback, put him at receiver, then move him back to quarterback, and he's going to be our most explosive offensive threat. Last year, they used Marcus Jones on offense, and he was their most explosive receiver, and he played nickelback for them. So it wouldn't surprise me if they just start pulling like random guys and Bill Belichick's just like, I've already done everything that has to be done mm-hmm. that needs to be done as an NFL head coach. Yeah. I could retire now and be arguably the greatest NFL head coach of all time. I'm just doing side quests now. Like, sir, I'll go and take my defensive assistants and make mm-hmm. them offensive coordinators. Let's run it back with Bill O'Brien. Yeah, this is like the guys who who beat Elden Ring or, or Demon Souls, those games. And then they're like, I'm going to do it just by rolling around. I won't swing my sword. Mm-hmm. I will beat the entire game by just rolling and doing damage that way it's just like there's no reason to do it no one wants you to do it you don't have to but you're gonna do it simply for the reason to say that you did it at least once yeah he's just speed running yes. the nfl at this point yeah my comp is going to be that, that harry potter game that came out um Hogwarts like bill Legacy belichick was he's but... done it like a, yeah. yeah he's done it as like a gryffindor and he's like i guess i'll do it as like a ravenclaw you know what i mean like just just to like you know, whatever. Um, I'll, I'll I'll go get my broom again. Like I'll get my wand again. I'll go to Ollivander's. Like I'll do the whole song and dance, whatever. Um, that's a great comp, JP. Good job by you. Um, although I, I don't buy this for a second. Like I, <laughs> I think this is a thing, and it will slowly fade, um, along with a lot of other things. But um, I don't know. Uh, JP uh, Michael was a bit of a hater on Kellen Moore um, mm-hmm. on last week's episode. A bit, uh, teeny bit. JP, you can defend yourself in a moment if you'd a like. Bit, a uh, bit. You, you meant. You mentioned the Chargers Saints game. By the way, we should mention um, that New Orleans Saints tight end, uh, once again, Jimmy Graham, was arrested on Friday night 
Um, the Saints did address this and release a statement. They referred to it as a medical episode. Um, so this was, um, you know, a storyline floating around the league, obviously, over the weekend. But um, what has been your takeaway from Kellen Moore's offense, uh, Michael? And are you growing tired of it yet, the way I did over the course of a few years? So I don't think there was any way to not be excited with their performance against the Rams, where they rushed for over 200 yards. And that was with a 71-yard touchdown run being uh, taken back from Isaiah Spiller due to a, a hold from a, a rookie guard. Um, I thought it was phenomenal against the Rams, but at the same time, it was great to be excited about it. And then you go, well, the Rams kind of have like one of the worst rosters in the entire NFL. And so even though it was Chargers backups versus Rams backups and third stringers and stuff, you want to be excited about it. Well, then come the Saints. And to be honest, like you look at the Saints and who they trotted out for the very first half, first quarter, and you still have veterans like Malcolm Roach, Tano Passing Young, Bradley Roby, Jalen uh, Smith. I mean, these guys have all played plenty of NFL games, have plenty of experience there. And the Chargers, I think their only people with, with starting experience were Zion Johnson and Jamar Sawyer at the guard positions. And pretty much all night, they could not find any movement in the run game. Um, I thought the passing game looked a little bit anemic. It just seemed like it was I, I even tweeted about it. I said, this is looking awfully Joe Lombardi esque to start this game. The Chargers had, I think, three, three and outs to begin the game. They had five, three and outs uh, in their 13 offensive drives. And by the end of the game, Stick had no touchdowns, two picks. And then he was forced to essentially run the football himself because the offense just wasn't having it. The offensive line did not play well. So it wasn't all on Stick's shoulders. But at the end of the day, I wasn't inspired. It just looked very similar to what Joe Lombardi did. There wasn't any marriage of the run in the past. No, no tricking them with the same formation, different play type situation. Uh, so it was a little bit of a bummer. So if I were to tell you right now where I stand, week one was up here, week two is down here. So I am kind of meeting in the middle. And I think week three and obviously the regular season, you know, this doesn't matter to the regular season, but that week three preseason game will tell me a lot about how he can get the most out of the third stringers that will be playing that week. Yeah. And I kind of think where I stand with Kellen Moore, I was, of course, I sounded like a little bit of a hater. I did wonder how much that offense would be different from what Joe Lombardi is going, what Joe Lombardi ran as an uh, office coordinator for the Chargers. But where I think Kellen Moore is ab absolutely going to improve the offense is being more efficient in the run game. Like you said, of course, running for over 200 yards against any NFL team is going to be like, you can put a feather in your cap, but of course that also could be like, Hey, maybe the Rams are just actually bad at football. But like you said, the saints are big as hell, mean as hell up front. Kalen Saunders, Peyton Turner, they all have dudes up front. So that was going to be tough sledding for them. But I do, I really would like to see how efficient that run game can be and how Kellen Moore can kind of unlock that level of verticality out of Justin Herbert and this offense that everybody's kind of been wanting. So, of course, week three, you're probably going to see maybe a drive of Justin Herbert, maybe not. But we're going to really see what it looks like in the regular season. Um, I just saw a tweet uh, of somebody um, who I follow. So they, I've made this choice to follow them. Um, this person has a pumpkin sort of latte. Um, and the, the tweet says it's pumpkin season. Do do either one of you think we're there yet? I know it's starting to feel a little bit like fall, um, but um, <laughs> it's not quite there in my mind. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not a pumpkin person in general, but I, I think it's got to at least be September. Like Labor Day yeah. has got to be behind us at the very least. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I'm a big fall person. I love autumn, and it's not just football season. Like the smells, the food, right. that everything that comes with it, the vibes, I think are immaculate in the fall, especially when you're in the Midwest like me. Um, but I was recently at a Home Depot, and they had the ginormous – Halloween statues and decorations out already. And I mean, this was, I think, two weeks ago. Like, I think it was barely the month of August. And they already had all the Halloween decorations out, trying to sell you all your Halloween candy already. 
I just don't understand it. It was the first time that I really thought hey, this is too much. It is, it is far too soon for any of this. I live in Florida. Yeah. We don't get fall. <laughs> yeah. We, we kind of just don't, it's, it's just less hot summer. Sure. And not even less hot. It's honestly kind of hotter. So we really don't get fall, but you can definitely tell the Halloween vibes are starting to pick up as soon. I feel like Halloween vibes and the fall vibes really start when people start selling the pumpkin spice stuff. That's what that's I'm saying. When like, really start, that's when it really starts to kick in. Like as soon as that first one gets sold, you officially crossed over into Halloween spooky season. Um, still though, I mean, like it's hot, it's it's fall when you're looking for a Halloween costume. Like that's if I have to put like a really like point of demarcation on it. Uh, by the way, in case you're both curious, uh, the wife kid and I this year, uh, Mandalorian, uh, Bo-Katan, and uh, Grogu. That's what we're gonna do. So that's, I think that's uh, phenomenal. That's, I've yeah. had the same idea for a. Uh, a couple costume with me and my wife for like three years now. And I just don't know when we're ever going to do it. Um, but it's uh, the mom and dad from incredible to from the Incredibles, but the second movie. And basically what I want to do is dress up like Mr. Incredible, but like coming home from the office and I make a cardboard car that's like way too small for me. So I just like make this cardboard box that fits on Genius. me. Um, and then she, I can't recall what she was going to do, but it was, they were both based on inside jokes of the movie. And I was like, this is so funny. I think this would be amazing. Oh, and then um, Nicolas Cage and then the Declaration of Independence. I, we were just going to find a costume for my wife. And that was the concept is that I'm I'm going to steal the Declaration yeah. of Independence. Something like that. Those are the two ideas. You just, walk, you just walk around with a bunch of lemons. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you get ready. And like the whole time you're like, ah, you know what I mean? And like, I keep squirting my wife incessantly throughout the night and she doesn't get the joke. But yeah. <laughs> mm um okay well uh that was our our dive into uh what constitutes as fall um in the united states um so a constitution if you will uh like the one mm -hmm. that michael's gonna steal um jp b john robinson uh had his preseason debut over the weekend four carries 20 yards the state of the running back position in the nfl continues to be in a fascinating place jonathan taylor expected to rejoin the indianapolis colts after an excused absence i thought i saw on my timeline but it was admittedly like an aggregator account um and i i don't say that in a hypocritical way because i recognize what we do for a living uh but uh, it's nevertheless an aggregator account um that was saying that josh jacobs is reportedly set to return to the raiders this week um every running back who tried to draw a line of the sand kind of taking these hard l's um in a contractual sense which is unfortunate this offseason um and all of that is aided by the fact that Bijan robinson looks amazing which just kind of feeds the idea of what these dudes are fighting against yeah, Bijan Robinson looked phenomenal in his time. Uh, I think he only played like one drive with the Falcons starters, but he looked so good. I think the long 12-yard run showed off the best about Bijan Robinson, which is the ability to make people miss, the agility, the burst. I mean, the ability to immediately come out of the hole and the safety is coming down. And he should the safety should make that tackle. But he makes one cut back inside, makes the safety touch earth, and he's bursting away for another big game. He made a one-handed catch on the screen pass and took it upfield for six more yards. I want to be excited about this Falcons offense. I really do. They have so many talented things, so many talented players, and you can be so versatile in how you line up. They can line up in, they can have multiple tight ends on the field. They can have three tight ends on the field, but you line up in 12 personnel with two tight ends lined up on the line of scrimmage and Kyle Pitts outside at wide receiver. You technically have three tight ends on the field. But it's only like you have it spread out and you also have Bijan Robinson. There's so much positional versatility. It's really like how you describe basketball teams that just switch everything because everybody on the court is like six, seven or above and can guard everybody. 
that that's really what the Falcons are doing. They're literally making the basketball on grass part of their offense. I just I don't know what to think of Desmond Ritter right now. I think he is just okay. And if he's just okay, maybe that's fine in an NFC South where, you know, maybe there's no true like number one team there. If Desmond Ritter can kind of just keep the wheel steady and just say, hey, all I have to do is get the ball to B. John Robinson, Drake London, and Kyle Pitts, and we'll be okay. Maybe that'll work. I, I don't know, but the bones of the offense and what they want to do look really exciting to me. Michael, Trey Lance to Atlanta. Why not at this point? Maybe but you're muted, Michael. So maybe you're really against this. Oh idea. my gosh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So like, I, I, I agree with JP in that like this, the, the offensive skill weapons look phenomenal, but they really are in a situation where they can't get fully invested in what this offense can be because of their quarterback situation. I want to believe in Desmond Ritter. Um, he was drafted high enough where expectations are going to be somewhat equal to his, his draft selection. But can he carry the boat? Can he row the boat in the direction they need to go? Uh, can Arthur, Arthur Smith create an offense where he's not asked to do a whole lot but facilitate? Because we've seen that happen with plenty of times. Uh, Brock Purdy, I think, is in an offense where he doesn't isn't asked to do a whole lot. He's just asked to, to make these layup throws half the time, um, short throws out of the pocket immediately and stuff like that. So um, I also want to be excited for this offense. I think Bijan Robinson looked really good. Yeah, his, you know, he didn't play a whole lot, but... I have this thing where if a rookie running back comes in and shows off like immediately that he's got a really good jump cut, I think it just says a lot about his future for some reason. I don't know. I don't know any, I don't have any uh, analytics behind that, but for a, a rookie running back to, to make this phenomenal jump cut and, and extend the play by like, you know, seven, eight yards um, after what looked like kind of a dead play. I think it was really good. Devonta Freeman was kind of a guy as well who he showed he can do that same same jersey as well with the Falcons. Um, and so I saw this one play, the 12 yard run from Bijan, and I was like, I think he's got it already. You know what I'm saying? Again, no analytics behind it. It's just a gut feeling. I think that's fair. Um, I think we all have those kind of like, you know, tells or whatever um, that we have, have learned through a lifetime of watching football. Um, and I feel like like when, when Atlanta took him, it felt very weird to me. Um, but the more that we kind of like move along down this path, the more like obvious it, it was like hiding in plain sight, I guess. Um, and I guess just like in an overall way, but the Falcons really are shaping up to be like the team that's a quarterback away. Like who, like whoever the quarterback is that like is most, you know, adjustable next off season. Like if things don't work out with the dolphins and two or something like that, like you could like, they're that home. They're yes. the Broncos of mm -hmm. like a last year, a year and a half ago, whatever, the Jets of this year that are like a quarterback away. Um, you could totally see that, you know, somebody getting pumped to go, you know, play with Bijan who finished like second in the NFL on rushing or something like that. Um, JP Tua looked bad uh, <laughs> over the weekend. It was, it was not a, a promising start for Tua. The Dolphins in general are kind of shaky because so many people are unwilling to believe in him. And he keeps like teetering and tottering, um, not giving people, you know, kind of any direction to lean in fully. So, I don't necessarily think Tua played bad. The first play was bad. <laughs> that was that was really but that's, bad. It was and a it significant on, play. Like it, was... it came on. It came on one of the signature concepts, the RPO, where he kind of rolls out the pocket. It's kind of a slant stick flat RPO. They ran it all the time last year. That was like their bread and butter. And he threw it directly to Denzel Perryman. It kind it stunk. It was a really bad pass. It was a really bad decision. But after that, you immediately go back down on a 93-yard drive. Tua looked much more composed from the pocket. 
He was hitting a lot of answers in the quick game. He threw a beautiful pass over, uh, I think it was Desmond King's hand to Braxton Berrios. Let him down the field for a touchdown. That's exactly what you want to see from Tua in this offense. You can operate in the quick game. That's that's what Tua's best trait is, the ability to throw in rhythm, quick timing. But the thing that stood out the most to me was how efficient the run game was for the Dolphins. That's That was a problem last year. When the offenses start, when the offense started to get figured out by teams like the Chargers, by teams like the 49ers, where they kind of figured out what to do with the passing game and how explosive they were, they weren't as efficient or they weren't efficient enough in the run game. Now you add more pieces. Hopefully, Teron Armstead's going to be healthy. You know, hopefully that'll be something that they don't have to worry about throughout the season. But they went and got Isaiah Wynn, who looks like he's going to immediately help that run game. It looks more efficient. It looks more dynamic. If you can create explosives in the run game while also having that threat of Tyreek Hill beating you over the top for a 60-yard touchdown, that's going to make the Dolphins' offense even more dynamic. He, like I said, he had a bad first pass, but everything outside of that looked like Tua last year. Michael, the current over-under, uh, according to our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, for the Dolphins this year in terms of wins is 9.5. Again, like. I'm not saying two is like terrible, like the, you know, whatever, but like, I just, I'm, I'm unwilling to believe I'm, 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 I'm super willing to be proven wrong and, and have egg on my face when it comes to the dolphins. Like, like that's the, the box I'm in with them in general. Yeah. I don't think that's a bad number whatsoever. I think like nine or 10 wins is probably where they're going to sit, especially now that they're in a uh, division with Aaron Rodgers and, and the jets. I think it makes the jets like legitimate threat to everyone else in that division. And so like beforehand, the dolphins just had to worry about truly uh, uh, the bills. And now with two other teams, they're starting to look like, you know, what people thought the AFC West was going to be um, last year, the year before where it's like, I mean, they, it's going to be tough sledding in the division. Like each team better take care of their out of division games because who knows it's going to happen um, when these two, two teams or three teams basically start playing each other. Um, I, I do want to believe in Tua as well. Um, you know, this isn't a, a Justin Herbert bias by any means. And of course the social media stuff last year was, was a hoot and a half to, to follow along. And, and the, it was a good time, but uh, you know, I think he's got a good play caller. I think he's an efficient enough passer and they gave him the weapons to be as good as he needs to be. Like, I mean, and that offense is, you know, at times kind of a cheat code with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill and them getting some semblance of a run game, I think would be absolutely huge because like the passing game is going to be one of, if not the biggest threat in the NFL, pretty much at all times when you're playing them, if their running game uh, can be consistent with a guy like Raheem Mostert, who hasn't, you know, who's struggled with injuries, but as a guy who can take it to the house at any point, um, I think really balances that whole unit out. So uh, nine wins would be unsurprising. 10 wins would probably be a little, I think them taking care of the jets and bills a few more times than people would expect. So I do like that number, but nine wins is probably where I'd settle there. Tough scene uh, for the dolphins. Um, sorry, JP. I'm, I'm impressed that you're, you know, less shaken up about it than I am, but um, you know, whatever. Uh, but JP uh, Packers, Twitter Packers fans, are back they are awake uh because jordan love looked serviceable over the weekend it appears um that the packers may have done it again jp that is the take uh this particular monday morning look i've been i was saying i think jordan loves kind of good i think i think what he showed like i said last year when he came in for aaron Rodgers against the eagles when in that mop-up duty he looked more confident and more composed and now you're starting to see the confidence continue to grow in the preseason they have kind of built that offense to kind of protect, not not like 
say like it's inhibiting Jordan Love, but it's protecting Jordan Love's ability and what he does best. They're doing a lot of bootlegs, a lot of getting him out of the pocket, getting the ball to Luke Musgrave, getting the ball to the tight ends, using that run game to help the passing game out. But what stands out to me is the confidence in the passing. He knows where he's going with the ball. It's not like he's getting confused. It's not like, of course, he's going to get tricked a little bit because, of course, it, he's a young quarterback and he's going to see some different things in the NFL. Unless you're Drew Brees or Tom Brady, you haven't seen everything that the NFL can throw at you. So I think he's going to get tricked sometimes by post-snap rotations. But where he looked confident was throwing the ball down the field. He was unafraid to take those shots. They might be incompletions. They might be pass breakups. But, you know, I'm encouraged that he's taking those shots. I'm encouraged that he's trying to push the ball downfield because that's a level of, of explosiveness that you combine with the run game. It makes it very hard to defend the Packers. And, look, I – I think the Lions are going to be good. I don't think they're going to run away with this division because the Packers are still far too talented. They have a great coach. I am a little worried about the offensive line, especially if David Bakhtiari is not fully healthy. And of course, the defense, the defense is far too talented to be as bad as it was last year. I think they'll kind of progress, progress back to the mean of them being good. But I think Jordan Love's pretty good. I think the Packers actually have done it again. They might not have gotten Aaron Rodgers, but they've gotten a serviceable quarterback. Michael. Yeah, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say that I think they did it again because I think you're immediately putting Jordan Love in a group of, of past Packers quarterbacks that uh, kind of went above and beyond and did a lot of crazy things. But I think it's extremely fair to say that Jordan Love is a lot better this preseason already looks a lot better than and then I personally would have expected because he could have came out and threw like an interception each of these first two preseason games. And that would have been just par for the course for me. You know, I, I don't think expectations were going to be super high for him in his first professional NFL season. Of course, he's not a rookie, uh, but to come out five of eight, 84 yards and a touchdown pass here in this last game, uh, two for 11 on the ground. I thought his touchdown pass, which actually like excellent. I thought he did a really good job of throwing it where it needed to be. It wasn't a layup throw by any means. It was down the field. Um, he did have plenty of time in that pocket. That's not to take anything away from him. I was just more impressed when I saw the highlight of that because of how terrible the offensive line was for Easton Stick last night. Uh, I thought that would have been really cool to see um, last night. But no, just in general, I thought this touchdown pass was great. I thought it showed excellent touch timing and all that. And then he played a pretty good game against the Bengals as well in the first week of the preseason. So overall, I think it's fair. I think it's very fair for Packers fans to have hope in Jordan Love and believe in, in LaFleur that he can get the most out of him in his first season as a starter. I don't know if either of you have seen that um, the NFL subreddit is in the middle of their roasts of each team. Um, and I saw a comment on the Packers roast that was like, so because Aaron Rodgers got half of the team in the divorce, do the Packers only have 26 and a half players on their 53 man roster? That was really good. That was really funny. That's um, not bad. So yeah. that was well done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was unique uh, at the very least, mm -hmm. which is what I appreciated. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. 
and Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Um, okay, uh, we have a lot of roster um, notes, I guess, to get to um, moves and unfortunately injuries because that is a part of the NFL and preseason. Um, I guess we should start um, with Eagles, former Eagles linebacker, Miles Jack, who uh, retired <laughs> JP, uh, a, a former Jackson, maybe Jacksonville Jaguar Hall of Famer, uh, one of the greatest Jacksonville Jaguars of all time. Uh, of course, Miles Jack, just I, everybody loved him coming out of the UCLA. Everybody thought he'd be amazing. Um, seemingly was on the way back to relevance in the NFL with the Philadelphia Eagles and retired after what, like two weeks, like it wasn't even maybe 10 days. Um, so it was kind of a weird thing, kind of some Vontae Davis vibes. Yeah, it was maybe some Vontae Davis vibes, but <laughs> mainly I kind of just want to say, dang, it's, it was really cool seeing Miles Jack, of course, come to the Jaguars in the second round after everybody thought like his knee was shredded. So right. they didn't think they didn't know how long he was going to play, but he played longer than most people expected. He would in 2020, he was darn near a pro bowl. He played at a pro bowl, maybe all pro level for a team that was really, really bad. And he didn't get a lot of that recognition, but you know, you just think of that 2017 team, those 20, that 2017 defense that was fast, physical miles. Jack was one of the big parts of that. He was not down. I want to make sure everybody hears that miles. Jack was not down. That one is for you, Mark. If you're out there listening, Miles Jack was not down. You stole an AFC title from Blake Bortles. I want history to know that. You t- you get you did not let us have a Blake Bortles Nick Foles Super Bowl, which would have been the funniest Super Bowl of all time. But a lot of respect to Miles Jack, who played hell of hell of a football career, hell of a football player in Jacksonville. Yeah, Michael, it, um, that year I. A lot of Cowboys fans compared their draft class to the Jaguars draft class in 2016 because Dallas walked away with Zeke Elliott and Jalen Smith. And a lot of people said, well, you could have taken, you know, Jalen Ramsey and Miles Jack, or you could have taken, you know, any kind of permutation or combination in that sort of sense. So a lot of Cowboys fans kept their eyes on him. It was going to be interesting to see him come back. It does feel like the Eagles are a little bit weary of the N'Kobe Dean situation. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's always strange when this this sort of thing happens. But kudos to Miles Jack at least, kind of recognizing, hey, this isn't for me after all. Yeah, I, I thought the the biggest note was the whole trade school thing. That uh, when you realize right. that he had over 100 tackles for the Steelers last year and seemed just like any other linebacker who you know got out of his rookie contract, moved to a different team, and was trying to reestablish himself as like you know a former high draft pick uh, somewhere else. So it was weird to see that you know if the Eagles didn't call. He was going to go be a plumber or electrician or or whatever it was. And that's like, honestly, something that I I highly respect just because there's something about people realizing that, you know, what many people would deem the the biggest dream job in the world for any sports fanatic um, playing professional sports isn't for them. And they want something more like chill and laid back. And and the weird thing is, is that this is something where Jack's life is he doesn't have to go to trade school to like 
make a living or to, to live, you know, continue living some semblance of a life. He, he's hopefully he's got money saved up and put away and he's he can kind of just coast on that for the rest of his life if he wanted to. But this guy wants to go out and just like do things. So and that thing might be plumbing. So at the end of the day, I, I think it's really kind of cool in a way. I respect the heck out of it. Um, and, you know, I don't think there's enough players that say it's not for me uh, and for my mental health, I guess. I'm, I'm assuming also is playing a role there. Um, he just wants to go fix plumbing somewhere for some nice old lady and i think that's highly respectful also a reminder miles jack won offensive and defensive freshman of the year in the past 12 at ucla yeah. was truly a phenomenal football player. yeah i i absolutely agree uh, and when he's fixing someone's toilet he can say that to spark conversation yep. up every single time and it will never get old it's gonna be the cool uh, it's gonna be so cool just like seeing him like they go fix somebody's plumbing be like you know i used to there's gonna be like a game on and be like you know i used to play football once and, and just sparking a whole like two hour story of miles miles jack's entire football he will career. never leave a house like a house job without basically recanting his entire football career because whoever's home it is is just like no you have to tell me everything and he'll feel entitled to do that i bet you he's got like the whole entire like la southern california market mm-hmm. For plumbing, he's gonna have that on loss. Yes, agree. Uh, congratulations to Miles Jack on his NFL career, and best of luck to him in the future. Um, with uh, little old ladies and I guess the you know suburban Los Angeles plumbing issues um, that that arise um, in in the future. Um, the Washington Commanders, Michael, have named Sam Howell as their starting quarterback. It's always interesting um, when a player seemingly has some like high draft stock and then goes back to college and things like don't transpire for whatever reason. And then they come into the NFL and, and things are sort of starting to materialize. I think Jalen Hyatt is kind of experiencing that bump with the Giants right now. Everybody's like, oh, maybe this dude was really good after all. Uh, it's kind of weird. Uh, and Sam Howell had a little bit of that buzz, obviously, the year before he was drafted. I don't believe in this personally, but I'm obviously incredibly biased uh, here. I mean, the commanders are kind of swirling in the distance. Um, I don't think they had a great alternative. I mean, shout out to Jacoby Brissett, I suppose. But uh, Sam Howell um, is uh, who will be commanding Eric B. Enemy's offense. Basically, Patrick Mahomes 2.0. Yeah, I think uh, there's something about Sam Howell that allowed him to garner this, like, really weird fandom through the draft process that has kind of followed him into the NFL where people are just like, they're not commander fans who like Sam Howell. They're just Sam Howell fans. And like wherever he goes, they will just be a fan of him because they loved him. However much during the process uh, of him coming out of North Carolina. Uh, I mean, in, in his first game, the first preseason game against the Browns, nine of 12 and a touchdown. I mean, you can't ask for, for really much more from that from who supposedly is going to be your, your QB one to start the season. Jacoby Brissett and Jake Fromm are the two guys behind him. Uh, Brissett was six of 10 with an interception Fromm also threw an interception. So, I mean, like, through one preseason game, the commanders can say, oh, yeah, we made the right decision. And, you know, and, and it's hard not to be excited about a guy who, who came out with a strong arm and know that he's got uh, some good weapons on the outside. Obviously, Terry McLaurin has been struggling. He's kind of going through the whole DeAndre Hopkins experience where it's just quarterback after quarterback and he's still producing. And so, like, you really want as a football fan, Terry McLaurin, to have one of those really good quarterbacks um, to really see what his ceiling is. But overall, I mean, they could do, I think, a lot worse but there's still going to be some skepticism about how and how he's going to translate to the regular season. Overall, though, I think this is probably the right decision for now. Yeah, I think it's the right decision, of course. Um, I kind of feel like Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter are in the same like area, the same conversation as far as like how we view them going into this season. Like, We don't know what we're going to get from Sam Howell or Desmond Ritter, but with as talented as a receiving core – 
as Washington has with Eric Bieniemy calling plays. One thing that I noticed watching the commander's offense with Sam Howell as a starter, it was very horizontal, a lot of stuff going east to west. One of the things that I thought was a struggle for Sam Howell was fully like reading the field instead of like doing the half field reads that came from the Mickey Mouse bullshit offense that Phil Longo ran in North Carolina. I do wonder how Eric Bieniemy is going to kind of not completely say we're only going to limit you to half field reads, but kind of develop him along through a season to be like, okay, now you'll start with the half field stuff, but then we're going to fully like graduate you onto the bigger things and reading a full field and becoming an actual NFL quarterback, because I think that's going to help the commander's offense out a lot more, but you really can, you can do worse than having uh, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin as your top three receivers and a run game that could potentially be kind of cool. Ryan Robinson and Antonio Gibson are both pretty good. They do different things, but they're they're kind of good. I wonder about how effective the offensive line is going to be. But I would I want to see more of Sam Howell. You know, I, I want to see more of Desmond Ritter. I want to see what they actually look like in real, like regular season football instead of just one game at the end against the Cowboys, who were very clearly just ready for the pre for the postseason to start. You're the only person who's ever applied that context. So that Cowboys lost JP. So I appreciate that. Um, how far behind? Because I agree with you on the the Howell Ritter thing. How far behind are they from, say, Kenny Pickett? Like, I, I don't think they're in the same box, to your point. But, I mean, their boxes aren't, like, the widest margin away from one another. I think we know what Kenny Pickett is because we've seen more of Kenny Pickett. I think we saw what he does well, which is kind of the – Kenny Pickett's weird because a lot of the stuff that he does is very good outside the pocket, which you really wouldn't, you wouldn't think Kenny Pickett would be that good outside the pocket, but he's got a really, he's got nice touch. He can throw the ball outside the hashes. I do kind of worry about how much true like scar tissue has developed on Kenny Pickett in terms of being in the pocket and kind of the pocket presence and the ability to not take sacks after his first three years at Pitt, first three, four years, he was getting obliterated every time he dropped back to pass. And then he goes to the Steelers behind that offensive line his rookie year and got obliterated. But you start to see a little bit more development of that in, uh, in this preseason. He started to feel pressure a little better. I think he started to hang in the pocket a little tougher. And then you could really start to see the flashes of the accuracy downfield and in the intermediate areas, which is really going to help lift the Steelers offense. So I think I think Ritter and Howell are a significant step behind Kenny Pickett, but I do think, you know, if we see more of them this year, hopefully if everything goes right for both of those teams, we're going to see a lot more Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter. So we'll actually be able to make a true judgment on which quarterback is better from that QB class. Michael, I say uh, what I'm about to at the risk of losing today's MF double MVP. I won it last week. Um, I know you know, uh, but yeah, in case you needed a reminder. Um, so, Rachelle, um, apologies. But uh, the Baltimore Ravens signed Jadeveon Clowney, and I recognize that we're all in on this, like the Ravens are finally helping Lamar out take. Um, but the like the joining of Odell Beckham Jr. and Jadeveon Clowney, like, this just really feels like the Ravens are, are like, on their like eighth season of their Madden franchise. And they're just signing like one year dudes, like, and, like names they recognize because the computer has generated ones that they don't know. Um, like this, this doesn't move the needle. For, I, I know that they had had a need at the edge rusher department, but still like, I, I just don't really believe in Clowney as a player in 2023. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I think 
honestly, I think this is right on par with the Ravens and what they've done recently. Obviously, they signed uh, Justin Houston within the last couple of years as, as, a, right. as a veteran uh, edge rusher. And so I think they just view it's like the same situation. They just they found Clowney. They wanted edge rusher help and they got a guy who has, you know, athletic upside a good pedigree behind him obviously as a former first round pick and so I, I think it's their defensive staff believing in themselves thinking that they can utilize what he has left in the right way they don't need him to be um, an all-pro player they don't need him to be even a full-time player at this point um, off the edge they will find a way to get him into the mix um, and I, I have no doubt they will find some success with him just because that's what the Ravens and their defense has been able to do I think for years now um, I'll tell you what the biggest surprise is I thought you were going to bring up the most egregious part of this entire signing, which is the fact that Jadavian Clowney will be wearing number 24 for the Ravens as an edge rusher. And I think there are not enough editorials and biopics and things about <laughs> this decision because it just doesn't make any sense. There are so many cool numbers for edge rushers ever since the New Jersey rules were put into play for them to have almost any number that they want that's available to them. Um, and he decided to go with 24, which I'll just put it this way. It's a good cornerback number. It's a fine safety number. It is kind of a mid running back number in my opinion, but for an edge rusher, I think it plummets. And so I am actually curious on your guys' thoughts because I think this is a horrendous decision by Clowney. I think for an edge rusher, you have a certain, certain range of numbers. You can go zero through nine and you look great. Single digit pass rusher, you, you are immediately the coolest person on the field. I think you can also go 40 through 59 and you're you're a linebacker you know linebackers wear those numbers but you got to be cool for the 40s you got to be like miles jack to, to pull off a 40s number to be fair. Miles like jack, that he's Von an edge rusher but you know you got you got to have like some speed element to your sure game, but i agree with that mostly. yeah okay yeah von miller wears 40 one right. of the best pass rushers to play football it looks cool on him and then you can also go 90 to 99 Jadavian Clowney wore 90 for a large majority of his career um Honestly, I kind of thought he wanted number seven, but Rashad Bateman wears seven in Baltimore because Jadavion Clowney wore seven in South Carolina. Um, I think 90 is also taken. So 24, it's really kind of a weird number for an edge rusher. I, I thought Melvin Ingram wore 24 for uh, the Chiefs. He did, for the Chiefs, year, yeah. For the Chiefs, yeah. And it was just it was really also weird. It's, re it's really weird for an edge rusher, for a pass rusher to wear any number in the 20s. It's I don't like it. It's It's goofy. But I do really like the Jadavian Clowney signing for the Ravens. I think he is a very – he's tough and physical as a run defender. You're always going to get good run defense from Jadavian Clowney. And one thing that re he really does well in the pass rush department is he is a menace on those loops and stunts where you take your edge rusher and basically tell him to destroy everything from the guard to the center. And that's what Jadavian Clowney does. He causes havoc. He's not a true pass rusher in terms of wins one-on-one, -on -one, but – He's going to help cause havoc and confusion in the pocket, which is really what Mike McDonald wants for this defense. He wants to create confusion for opposing quarterbacks and change the picture. So I, I really like the signing. Of course, getting him for one year, he wasn't going to sign a long-term deal in Baltimore anyway. He he wants to win a title, and Baltimore feels like the best place he can do that, and I don't blame him. You both pandered to Rachel, so whatever it is, what it is, you both understand the game. That's fine. Um, so whatever, I'm fine being on an island in terms of not 
not being overly impressed by the signing. Uh, my quick thoughts on the number thing is it's terrible. And you brought up the Chiefs and Melvin Ingram, JP. This is their fault. Like, I actually hate the rule. Like, I I, I hate, like, the allowance of single Aww. digits. And I, I, yeah, I'm fine being, like, old and crotchety and get off my lawn about this. Like, it's stupid. I obviously don't like the Teddy Bridgewater thing. This goes in that box. Oh, but what's, what's stupid to me, what's actually stupid, whether you hate the Teddy Bridgewater thing or this thing or whatever, is the Chiefs, the genesis of this rule was because they were running out of numbers, right? They were signing players and they're like, oh, we actually are out of wide receiver eligible numbers. So we're stuck here, whatever, blah, blah. They still, to this day, double up numbers. And it's like, wait a minute. If the whole purpose of this was to not have a double number, why do you, of all people, have a double number? So I'm just more than anything upset about the hypocrisy of this and the stupid reality that it has come or that it has generated. I will say, and Rachel, remember this, uh, I guess like eight hours from now, if the Baltimore Ravens lose after winning 24 preseason games in a row after Jadeveon Clowney foolishly took number 24, he is the kiss of death upon this franchise in an overall sense. But that's just my the clowny uh, curse. It is interesting that yeah, he picked exactly. 24, which is what their win streak is at, right? Or is it 25? That's what I'm saying. Like, that, okay, if it if it dies at 24, then that's on him. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. that's he really, you know, those, those are some bad vibes. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, for him to pick what the streak is at. I mean, just not a, not a good look for Jadavion Clyde. That's just my personal opinion. Although I really love any number in the Ravens uniforms, they have some incredible uniforms. I like. I'm a fan of any combination that they ultimately yield. Um, the Colts signed James Washington. Um, I don't think we need to really get into that. I mean, it's a it's a weird thing. Um, so, so congratulations, Sam. Um, <laughs> on an injury front, uh, the Colts have lost uh, defensive end uh, Gerald Avery. Um, tough scene for the Colts defense. I just don't buy into the Colts. I don't buy into Darius Leonard, you know, coming back this year, like to a formidable level. Like the Colts are down really bad, JP. Like we don't spend a lot of time on this, but like nothing is going right for them whatsoever. I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for Anthony Richardson, but like it all just seems really lost and funky. I don't know. I feel like we're at the point in the year where I can kind of talk myself into every (sighs) team being competitive or good. And I kind of started to do that with the Colts. I think they... With the draft that they had, they're banking on all, all the guys with the athletic tools. If you look at their relative athletic scores, it's all like nines or above. Betting on good athletes most of the time is a very good strategy. It's what you really want to do in the NFL because the baseline of being a good athlete will get you very far in the NFL. Of course, you're betting on a lot of young guys to start, especially at both outside corner spots. In Julius Brinks, Darius Rush, both going to play a lot. They're playing a lot of youth in the defensive line. and then starting a rookie quarterback. I can see this going very wrong very quickly, but I can also see it maybe a couple years down the line once those guys get more reps, once those guys get more snaps and learn how NFL football like works. I can see them being pretty good, but this year it's going to be a lot of growing pains. Yeah, not for me. Um Michael, do you have a passion to take on the Colts or do you think they suck too? So, all my chips are going to be on uh, in on Anthony Richardson because he was my first round pick in my main fantasy uh, dynasty league this year. I absolutely need him. Likewise. Yeah. So I, I, I took, I drafted a team two years ago. My main league went from like a keeper to a, a dynasty and I ended up with uh, Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford as my starting quarterbacks because I just happened to wait a little bit too long. And so with the way the board fell, you know, I, I, I said, you know, I'm smart enough. I'll turn the ship around. Well, um, in the year, the first year we did the league, Brady and Stafford were the worst versions of themselves that we've seen. And the fact that they did it together on my team is something I'll always remember. 
Um, but so Anthony Richardson steps in. He's my other quarterback. It's a two quarterback league, which first off, I hate. I can go on a tangent for a while. It's not realistic. I don't think two QB leagues should even be a thing and why you would ever want to do it. Anyway, chips are in on him. Um, he's got all the athletic upside in the world. I think we spent the entire draft season talking about Anthony Richardson and what he can do. I just saw a video of him doing a jump pass for 50 yards just for like no reason at all. But that's the type of content that we like to see as, as football millennials now. But overall, young team, JP kind of mentioned all that stuff uh, on both sides of the ball. They do have young, exciting players. It does seem like Taylor is going to be with the team and playing. He's going to hopefully play with a chip on his shoulder, which hopefully is synergistic with Anthony, Anthony Richardson. Uh, Pittman is still one of the best young receivers um, in the league. I think he would look a lot better. We'd have a higher idea of him if he just had more consistent quarterback play as well. Um, overall, I, I really hope as an offensive line guy that Quentin Nelson gets back to form because it just seems like people have forgot about him and he was like the greatest thing ever coming out of Notre Dame and as a, his first two years in the NFL. So uh, nothing too passionate beyond that. But Anthony Richardson, we're rooting for you. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, Anthony Richardson, my first round pick in my dynasty league as well. Um, so, JP, if you did that, um, then we've really hit the Holy Trinity. Uh, Michael Mayer is my second round pick, in case anybody's curious. And Deuce Vaughn, my third round pick. So a little bit of bias. That seems like it's going to work out. Um, so good for me. Um, the Eagles lost Zach McPherson for the season. Um, JP, we talked about the Falcons a little bit. Um, Cordero Patterson might miss a couple of weeks. Um, I mean, is this a big deal? Like, I'll do respect to Cordero Patterson. Um, I mean... Cordell so, Patterson is great, but again, like, is this like a really impactful thing for the Falcons? I don't know if it's a really impactful thing, but it could hurt their special teams unit. And special teams is very important, especially when you're missing. It's less important one the, now, though. Like, one of the one of the best kick return men of all time. Like, did, did you gonna, see on this tangent? Did you see what Bill Barnwell said this offseason when he did his like um, his like goat rankings? He did this thing this year that was like. Uh, active players and their potentials to be like the goats at their respective positions. He said Cordero Patterson is already the greatest returner of all time. Like he's already achieved that says. I don't know if he's the greatest return man of all time, but he's the greatest kickoff return man of all time. I still oh. think Devin Hester is the best punt return man of all time. I, and then you factor in Devin Hester is already really, really good as a kick returner as well. He's, he's the greatest return man of all time still. But Cordero Patterson can still catch him. I don't think it's going to hurt as much offensively because Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson were probably going to get most of the work in that running game. He was going they were going to get most of the work on passing downs, but I mean, it's good to have Cordell Patterson, especially on special teams, especially in that running back room. He's kind of the veteran in there. It's not going to, it's not going to hurt them significantly, but you will miss that. You will miss having that threat of, this kickoff can be returned to the house easily if number 84 is back there, which I still I still respect Cordell Patterson for wearing 84 and not switching that number. That's though fine, though. Agreed. Like, if that's your path, like Devin Hester, when he played wide receiver, like he started off as a corner wearing 23. Like, I'm super fine with that. Ty Montgomery, same sort of thing. If it's a natural progression, I'm good. It's it's baked in, but this is stupid. Like, Sky Moore's number is dumb. Like, all of this is so stupid. Well, and Sky Moore, I get Sky Moore's. He wore 24 at Western Michigan. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, like, that's like... I mean, that's dumb. The The first kicker that wears like 97 is going to look so stupid, JP, in the NFL. They do it all the time in college. I know that. I'm, that's like, that, that's not what this is. Like, it's a different thing. <laughs> I think, I think it's great. I think Teddy Bridgewater wearing 50 is awesome. I think he should never change that number. Wherever he goes, he should wear 50. It do, doesn't matter. I hope if Teddy Bridgewater ever makes a ring of honor or hall of fame, he should go in as number 50. 
if he has like a late career, like Kurt Warner style renaissance where he like goes to the Hall of Fame, he should wear number 50 at on the Hall of Fame. I think that should be his new thing. We need more quarterbacks wearing lineman numbers. Teddy's they always been about the accessories. We had the gloves forever, and now we got the numbers. Like it's just all about the extracurriculars when it comes to Teddy Bridgewater. Apparently, we all, we all, we all, we all see the quarterbacks wearing one through nineteen. They all get they get the cool numbers. They get the first pick every time because they're a quarterback. No, we're fifty like a real man. You know, we're we're a number in the fifties like an offensive lineman. I want to um, see, see a quarterback wearing fifty six. Michael, <laughs> Michael, give us uh, one final football thing, and then we'll start to close this up. Anything you want. One final football thing. Um, well, I'm actually surprised we didn't we didn't mention it, uh, which is it was announced kind of like right before the show started that Josh Jacobs plans to end his holdout um, and will return to the Raiders uh, for week one, which is a good thing for them. Zamir White was going to be their, their running back one um, heading into the season, but it looks like they don't have to worry about that. So that's good news for the Raiders. Um, I don't know if his holdout really did anything at this point besides just give him a few more days off uh we'll see if anything really comes of him returning to the team but as of right now it looks like a failed holdout i guess um and big football won in the end i mean like it's it sucks for josh jacobs and saquon and jonathan taylor but like again like this this isn't anybody's fault like you know like i don't know who like you want to direct your anger at but like there's no person that makes sense it's not the raiders fault it's not the giants or the Colts, whatever it's the state of football in today's world so uh it's an unfortunate reality but that's why like if it makes sense for josh jacobs to sign the tag jp because you're not going to get that on the open market unless you are the one of like million like you have to be literally the only exception shout out of course to Peyton Moore. Yeah, and I kind of think if you're looking for someone to blame, you can just say like capitalism. Like that's <laughs> that's really the only person you can really blame. Like it's like the owners and the GMs are doing this in a cost-driven like right. You are working under a salary cap, which is like yeah, you can just say capitalism. But I do think Josh Jacobs is very important to that Raiders offense. I think he has out of like most running backs, he has one of the more important jobs in that it respected for a running back to their offense in terms of his ability to make people miss his ability to generate explosives and first downs. As much as I like Samir white, when he was running behind that offensive line, he wasn't making a lot of people miss. He was getting those six yards, nine yards, and then going down Josh Jacobs with that. He'll take that six yards and turn it into 30. He'll turn nine yards into a 60 yard touchdown. So I really do think like, Josh Jacobs in that offense is going to be very good once again. I think he saw Aiden O'Connell tearing it up and was like, I'm, I'm in it now. I think we got our quarterback. Speaking of numbers, like, it's way too soon to give Aiden number four. Like, that's – I'm not saying Derek Carr belongs in the Raiders, like, ring of honor, but, like, that's weird. Like, that's awkward to me. Um, so, whatever. I think it's funny. I think it's funny mainly because they both have, like, the same, like, real kind of bushy eyebrow thing going on. <laughs> But it's like on two completely different spectrums. So like Derek Carr looks sometimes kind of evil. Like he's like the chaotic evil number four. Mm-hmm. While Aiden O'Connell kind of looks like that uh that dude from Super Troopers or uh the uh oh what's his name? He's it's the a, guy they like play fire pranks fire. on the whole time, right? He was the guy that's always like left out. I think I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's the uh I think he's the fire chief in that show Tacoma FD the only reason I know that is because I've watched WWE and they always air that commercial like in between breaks so the people who know know what I'm talking about I might have to find a photo of him but he looks like Aiden O'Connell but Aiden O'Connell can actually like kind of play I think he's I think he's a great fit for the Josh McDaniels offense I tweeted it 
I don't want to say that he's Tom Brady, but they were doing a lot of stuff that was real similar to that 2014 Patriots playbook with the little fake handoff, turnaround, the guard would pull, and then the tight end is just running wide open over the middle. And I'm just like, Gronk used to do that with Tom Brady in 2014. I think they might have done, I think they might have found something here. What a phenomenal one football thing to finish this up. Uh, Rachel, uh, if you could please join us and offer your thoughts on Jadeveon Clowney ring number 24, uh, your thoughts on the second week of the preseason in general, and then, of course, um, who has won the coveted MFW MVP. Remember, you are awesome and that I said that. Um, <laughs> I don't really care for the jersey numbers. I don't really have, like, an opinion wow. on that one. Sorry, guys. Um, But, RJ, surprisingly, I'm not really upset with your take when it comes to Clowney. Only because from the Ravens' previous moves, they do tend to go for these kind of like, I'm not going to say wash. I don't think that's the right word. But like older <laughs> players who was kind of like, really? for a, From a fan perspective, it's like, come on, like somebody a little bit more exciting. But I mean, at the end of the day, like um, JP was mentioning earlier, if he feels like he can win with the Ravens, good for him. If Mike McDonald is confident in him, in him they weren't able to retain Houston last year who let them in sacks. And so it's kind of like outside of their younger guys, they need a veteran presence. And so I don't love it, but it's kind of like, I mean, I don't know what else they would have done. And so maybe he'll have a flash this season and he'll put up some big numbers. I don't know. Um, RJ, I really liked your point. Well, the question that you kind of presented that kind of like sparked some conversation with how and Ritter and like just how far behind um, Kenny Pickett they are. I thought that that was interesting. Um, JP, I really liked your point about the Falcons and how even though Desmond Ritter is kind of just okay, like the bones are there. Like they have like these young, talented uh, playmakers. Um, and so I don't know, like you said that there's a little bit of confidence in that team. And then Michael, I really liked your point about how with the injuries, you kind of just were talking about how you respect um the Patriots and Bill Belichick's decision and just to cancel the game, how you hope that this will be the precedent. Um, a lot of us are not fans of the preseason. And I was very frustrated for the Eagles game on Thursday when six players got injured, two of them went out in stretchers and they kept the game going. And so I agree with you that hopefully this is a precedent going forward and that, you know, hopefully the Packers fans can have, like they should be able to have hope in Jordan Love. Um, don't like rule them out. You know, there should be some hope there. And so today, I think everybody did a really good job. Um, I'm going to give it to JP. <laughs> Shout out to uh, that's well said. Congratulations to you, show. JP. Shout out to you always being available. Literally, you're a part you. of the crew at this point, like you are. Oh, I appreciate Michael that. is the forever goat. Uh, but JP, you have the hardware today. Mm -hmm. uh, who would you like to thank? Who would you like to criticize? I mean, really, you can take this yeah. anywhere you want. I'd first like to thank the Packers and Jordan Love for <laughs> kind of kind of giving me this opportunity, you know, to say like, hey, maybe Jordan Love's kind of good. I'd like to thank my mom once again. You know, shout out to mom and dad who are definitely going to listen to this and call me for an hour just discussing my takes. My dad and I talked for an hour yesterday just about basketball. So. Maybe he'll call today. We'll talk about football some after he listens to this. But, you know, three-time MF double MVP. Feels good. Feels great, actually. And hopefully we come, we're going to come back on again. Hopefully Michael comes back on. We have, I, have, I have a lot of fun every time. So this is, this is another good one. Another good one. Um, Michael, you gave us one football thing to end mm -hmm. it. Give us one non-football thing 
It can be anything you want in life. Any a movie you watched, a, a meal you ate, uh, maybe the project that sent you to Home Depot. Hmm. Uh, but uh, give us a, a non-football thing to kind of send us off into the abyss. Um, I'm really late to this, but I just I want to say within the last month I started watching Peaky Blinders, and I am oh, head dear. over heels for this show. Um, I was just at the Mall of America here in Minnesota at this like canvas store, and there was like a couple canvas uh, paintings of Peaky Blinders characters. And I just got into season four. No spoilers, but for anyone who's seen it, knows what happens at the start of season four. Really bummed me out. Uh, I'm I'm a little indifferent on the decision, but overall, I absolutely love this show. Um, and there's something to be said about non-American television shows on Netflix right now that are just absolutely crushing it. So I highly suggest watching a lot of these original shows uh, that are coming out. I know Blinders is old, but just in general, go watch. Okay, thank you very much, Michael. Everybody have a great week, or else. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.